0: Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm
1: Ryan, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you certainly are. And I'm Ian. And on this
0: episode, of course, we're going to do some thinking playing, doing board games, and we're going to continue on with the mechanics series. And I'd hand this off to somebody, but they'll pitch it back to me because it's my turn. We're going to do area control mechanisms. Get off my lawn. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada. And they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing stories, amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into some thinking, doing, playing board games. And uh, Ian,
1: let's get you going on uh, on some of your chit-chat. Let's talk about... King Domino, and specifically the King Domino tournament that we ran. Well, I guess at this point, it would be a couple of weeks ago. And I think we got to give props to Ryan. Yeah. You're the organizer. He's been, this is the second one he's popped out then. Yay, (laughs) success. Yeah. So uh, it was the first time I ever did a tournament on Board Game Arena. Ryan set it up, and we had, how many people did we have here? We had nine.
2: Nine. Nine.
1: Nine, Yeah. We had nine. And I made it further than both of the other hosts, which I was pretty happy oh, with. that's
2: not surprising. I'm absolutely terrible.
1: <laughs> I, I knew I was not getting past the first round. Nope, you did not. I at least <laughs> no. got past the first round. And for, for a while there, I, I was late. I was a day late. And so I had to like race in and say, so like, oh, it started already. And I was already lost like half of my play time. But I got the game done, and somehow pulled it out. Did you make settings so that the board is like much bigger? or Seven by seven.
2: A... I, I I set it to the two player variant, which is called the Mighty Kingdom, which now expands the five by expands it from a five by five to a
1: seven by seven. See, I blame you for that. That's what threw me off. That's what... yeah. It really threw me off. <laughs> and um, me and the Captain Quicks who was i was playing uh we we both commented that like this seems really big (laughs) and it was hard to navigate it's huge
2: yeah Yeah. so so i put it in the pdf document on the facebook page that we were playing the seven by seven mighty duel oh it was all there it was all there yeah with the bonus points if you kept your castle in the middle and the Bonus points if you manage to fill in your yeah. fill in your square. So those that, that, those were the the
1: stipulations we did. I did not fill in the square. <laughs> I, I, I
0: usually watched. do well, but man, I I it's like man the moment you the moment you create like a tournament competitive thing, people people dial it in.
2: Yeah. I, I, was... <laughs> I I lost I lost to um well gosh I can only have it up here but I lost to Trena. And she went all the way to the finals. Yeah. So she went all the way to the finals.
0: So at least you got beat up by a good player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Hans. Well, won. and I think I not know. And I played Hans too. Yeah. And he, yeah, that was my first game. And it was because oh, yeah, we played him in Burgundy
1: semifinals. He knocked me out and then he went to the finals. Yeah. So, so I, he's uh, he's
2: two. Yeah, he's got- Hans Hans Backer from the Facebook community in Saskatoon here. Uh, has won the Castles of Burgundy tournament, so tournament number one, and he has won the King Domino tournament, tournament number two, and he says he's. I, I think <laughs> I think he said that he's sitting the next one out just to let somebody else have a chance to win the gift card. There we are. Oh. are you ready to announce
1: have... the next one? Or... Oh yeah,
2: yeah, you already picked another one, didn't you? Yeah, it's. um We're doing a downforce tournament. <laughs> On the on the on the thirtieth, we're gonna I'm gonna try something different. I'm gonna try it as a, not an asynchronous game, but as a live game. So you have to be you have, you have to sit there in real time to play that because that's a game that you must you probably have to play that one real time in order to get the real full effect of of the down of the downforce experience. And
0: the uh, the cool thing uh, that's available to everybody is uh, through our dis- through the Bridge City Board Gamers Discord channel. Uh, we played we played some downforce and we were able to see everybody and it was kind of cool playing oh, yeah, right. playing this uh, this very uh, <laughs> very kind of a passive aggressive knife fight ca- card
2: driven driving game with uh, yeah it, it was yeah. it was fun yeah 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 I'm yeah, in so yeah so the, yeah so downforce. And really what we did too is that giving back to the giving back to the the game stores here in saskatoon is that i charged a uh, a three dollar entry fee to to the game and then whoever won so in this case hans um however many players participated so this team nine he got a he got a 27 seven dollar gift card to the game store of his choice yeah winner take all yeah and he chose uh amazing stories so amazing stories i got a little bit of money for for the for the tournament Yay! That type of thing. So it was it was really quite it was really quite cool. It was hopefully,
0: fun. hopefully we get the momentum going. That uh, once uh, once the isolation COVID uh,
2: yeah, social I'm, rules. Yeah, I'm trying out so I'm trying out all these different formats. Now I'm going to try a real time yeah tournament. So people have to make the time commitment to to sit down for like the hour the the hour or two hours to uh, to to play this one out. This one might be a little bit trickier. So that's why I put this one two weeks in advance. Yeah to try to help people can plan out that time
0: for the grand awesome. Pri- the the bcb grand prix that's what we'll call it <laughs> cool um uh, yeah who uh, who who wants to go next sure you i'll do. i'll
2: i'll take it <laughs> all right mine's, mine's i want to be... I wanna
0: hear this one because this one i've seen you popping it on twitter and i'm just visually like oh this game looks so cool
2: Yeah, so uh, I managed to get some plays in of the latest Luke, Laurie, and Tom Jolly um, worker placement game called Cryo. Now, this is not the first time that Luke, Laurie, and Tom Jolly have teamed up together. They actually also did the design for Manhattan Project Energy Empire, Mm -hmm. which I have not had a chance to play, but I've heard really, really good things about it. Now, Cryo at its heart is just a worker placement game of managing resources and trying to score points. Every other worker placement game out there. This is not doing anything super brand new, but I really enjoy the theme of this one. <laughs> um, the art style, uh, I don't have the artist in front of me, I wish I would have done my research, but the art style is that kind of like that 1950s, 1960s comic book sci-fi cool. type type of world. And what has happened is that your spaceship has crashed onto an alien planet. And what you are doing is you're now going to compete against all the other survivors to try to um, scavenge resources and be able to um, navigate yourselves into the depths of this planet. Because apparently some research has unveiled that this planet is going to get deathly cold at nighttime. And that's the, that's the timer is that it's progressing from the sun to now it's sunset and now it's nighttime. And if there's anybody left above land at nighttime, they freeze to death and they're gone. You've just described winter in Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) And so what you're going to do is you're going to score points. Your goal is to try to get these rescue pods and take them into the depths of the caverns of this planet, and they're all going to be worth points to you at the end of the game. What's really cool about this one is that there is a little bit of card play. It's got multi-use cards, which I always really enjoy. Every card has four uses to it. Um, Resources, some sort of special ability, um, end of game scoring opportunity, and um, spaceships. And really what you can do is you can dock a spaceship, try to load it up with passengers, and then send it into the caverns. Um, to try to score you all those big points so everything about this game is you're kind of spending some rounds gathering all the resources and the abilities to send your ships into the caverns and then you're probably going to do that probably about three or four times in the game that you're only going to be able to send your guys down now a cool thing about this that we haven't really explored it that there's a good meanness factor in this game (laughs) At the end of every round, or whenever you get to recall, once you put out your workers, you have to take an action to recall them. And part of the recall action is that you have to trigger an event. One of these events could be to sabotage your other your other opponent's space pods, the ones that are oh, gonna score them points. Brutal. And so there's that opportunity. So Jen and I kind of play this game. We're like looking at it, we're looking at the board, we're like, um, I'm not gonna sabotage <laughs> this round. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I don't next want to round, start that but ne- just
2: yet. But next round, like you could start off the game like that and just be in somebody's bad books. Oh. Now, now, this is also going to continue until this one bigger tile comes out of the board. And once that big tile is claimed, um, the game is going to immediately end. So somebody could take that tile right before your turn and end the game right before you're about to do a big move, which is also another pretty mean factor of this there's nothing groundbreaking, but we've been having a lot of fun. Is that, is that weird? No, no. Like, I've played this type of game countless number of times over the years, countless, but this has such a classic feel. Everything about it is so familiar. Well, I've got and the artist. what, sorry, go ahead. That's, and maybe that's why I enjoy it. It's familiar. The teach wasn't unbearable. Like, it was very, like, I was going through it. And like, okay, yeah, you do this, and then you do that. Okay, that I've, I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. I'm describing things to Jen. She's like, yeah, okay, I've done that in other games. Okay, let's just play. Okay. And we just have fun with it. It's cool. It's really cool trying to find
0: combos. You were if talking we're, about the look, and I, I pulled up the artists here. Uh,
2: Bree Linso and Samuel Shimota. Great. And... Top props. I want to see more. I want to see what else they have done. in and maybe if they've done other things in game design because the aesthetic of this is really cool. Yeah. I've really I really enjoyed it. The box cover looks uh pretty compelling. Yeah, <laughs> the box cover is the ship crashing. Yeah. And then you open up the box, and now the the game board is the ship has crashed onto the planet. Cool. And so yeah, yeah. cryo, it's been getting a lot of buzz. Um and Luke Lori, like I think this has become he's become the modern master of the worker placement. Oh, cool! All of his, all of his games. What else he um, well, so the- Elder, so he did um, Whistle Mountain yeah. along with oh, Scott that's Caputo. That's right, that's really right. cool. Twist on worker placement in that game. He also did Dwellings of Eldervale, yeah. which is also a worker placement area control type of game. Oh, I forgot to mention cryo, those depths, those caverns has an area control majority element to them, because if you have the most pods in a certain cavern, they're worth more points than if, the, if you don't have the most in them. So it's kind of cool we'll
0: tie that. into our topic. Yay. Yeah, nah, that looks, this looks so cool. I want to, tr- I want to get some, and it, uh, oh, I think there's a potential solo mode coming out.
2: Yeah, I have, I, I messaged because he sent it out on Twitter, mm-hmm. ask if there's anybody who wants to play test the solo mode. So I've ran through the solo mode once and it's pretty cool. Like he he's wanting to do more solo modes for his current games that are already out there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so he's got that out there. If you want to message him, um, find him on Twitter, Luke Laurie and, yeah, he'll set you up. He's wanting a whole bunch. Of, I think there's about 60 people right now in the in the play test. And yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. Um, really great worker placement. If you like worker placement type of games, this is definitely one you should probably check out at some point in time. Nothing groundbreaking. Oh, other than the fact of, you know, you know, those games, those worker placement games where you have to take your workers back and that's an action. Yeah. And then you don't get to do anything else. Yeah. Well, in this one, when you take your workers back, you put them onto a board and they do actions for you as you pull them back. Oh, cool. Onto your player board, which you don't see that. Well, then that's something in the, in the, that's different. In yeah. these in these types of games. And they're all programmable too. Like you're collecting tiles. And so when I bring my guy back, he's going to do something different than if you pull your guy back, because you've collected probably some sort of different action tile. Cool. Let's try that. Yeah, cryo. Yeah, I'll I'll lend I'll lend it to you sometime. I think you'd have some I think you'd have some fun with it.
0: Right on. Well, I'm going to wrap this up by uh, um, presenting a game. I don't know if you guys have heard of this because the last couple times, like the captain is dead. You guys want, I've never heard of this one. Yukon um, Airways. I had not heard of this one. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> so Yukon um, Airways, quickly here, is uh, designed by Al LeDuc, published by Ludo Nova and artist Eric uh, Hibberley and uh, David Preetro. Preeto. I'm, I just smashed those up. I am so sorry. Um, but uh, this is... A uh, dr- uh, drafting, hand management, pickup and delivery, um, kind of resource management esque game. Um, now, with all those mechanisms I just threw out there, what is this game? You're basically now Yukon for those uh, non-Canadians uh, is a territory that's north of British Columbia and uh, and west immediately west of that is Alaska and uh, White Horse is the capital of Yukon. And um, this is, you're basically a float plane that is taking um, um, uh, passengers to different locales in the territory, uh, in the Yukon territory. And uh, you have to manage your fuel with the uh, expeditions that you're going out on this map. Uh, And, of course, the further away from the base of Whitehorse that you go, the more fuel that's required, the more kind of like pond hopping that you have to do to get to certain places. The cool thing I love about this game already, I love dice, but dice hate me. Um, But you basically, the dice represent the passengers that you're picking up off the dock. And the cool part on the board is that you randomly, with the same five different dice colors, You randomly go into a bag and, depending on the number of players, drop uh, interest cubes in each destination so that when you fly a particular uh, colored dice to a particular destination of the same color... You get rewarded by upgrades to your plane. Now, this is where this really cool, you know, pardon the pun, but the engine building comes in. You're building the engine of your plane with all of the modifications that you can do, kind of little little tweaks to the rules instead of three cards down to two cards. Uh, uh, you can cash in some cards, uh, and I'll get to the cards. Uh, you can cash in a card for fuel because, as I said, fuel is such a difficult commodity or resource to acquire to get you to these destinations. And obviously, the further you go out, the the higher the victory points. Now, um, each game will have three... Uh, rule cards on the bottom out of a good solid deck And some of them might be If you deliver a yellow dice to this destination You get an extra dollar If you deliver a blue dice to this, you know, any destination You get an extra barrel of fuel uh, If you deliver a pink a passenger on the second uh, destination stop You get extra money um, So this was and is such a good um, variable puzzle to solve, pick up and deliver. If you like pickup and delivery, you'll. This is this will scratch that that pickup and delivery itch in your brain. Uh, it plays. I mean, of course, um, I'm playing solo. Um, it plays fast. I think it's uh, six rounds because the it's in a week. I think the theme is over the over the Christmas week. You have. Um, um, I think it's. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to fly and make all these all this money over the over this time span. Um, Yeah. And And of course, if you go to a certain dock to pick up passengers, that dock itself will trigger a special bonus to either pick up an extra card. Speaking of the cards, everything is driven by this huge deck of cards that are all the destinations on the territory map. Now here's the cool part is on the top of the card, there is a set collecting mechanism with this. There's gas tanks, wrenches, and money. And if you deliver if you have a set of three uh, with one of your deliveries, then you get to trigger this extra bonus. And with your plane modification, you can hedge that down to two cards to trigger a set bonus. So there's all of these tech tree variants that can happen that just grow organically. I've played this before five times, and I'm still seeing cool combinations in there. Um, I'm having so much fun with this game. I hope I triggered some some acquisition disorder in Ryan because there's dice. Well,
2: I, I am looking at it right <laughs> here, how you forgot to mention... Or you didn't mention that this is a passion project of this designer. Like, well, I
0: didn't want to get too deep into the into the. This yeah. this,
2: this actually seems really interesting. That this was like this is he's got a personal connection mm-hmm. to to the to the Yukon. That's the it's first like page that. in the book, and it's it's. That's what, what I'm read. Reading. That's what I'm reading right now. In that, um, this is all dedicated to his to his dad who who didn't get to see this come to fruition, but he had like a real. Um, part in playing and in designing this 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 game and its theme and wow okay that 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 jumps up a few notches in my book that this is actually actually a passion project for this particular design. This comes
0: from a beautiful
2: place man it's the first page that you read when you open up the rule book. Yeah yukon Airways designing from memory that it's titled and so it looks really cool
1: i'm gonna player boards are neat because it's like a you're looking at your personal (laughs) dashboard and they have like family photos pasted on there yeah
0: and the dials that's what that's how you increase your your abilities and the variations of your abilities like the how many how many cards you draw at the end how big your hand is uh how many extra tanks of fuel that you can get at the beginning of each turn um, it's, it's so much fun. I mean, if you give, I will definitely, um, pass this on so that, uh, that yeah. you guys have a chance at this. Yeah.
2: He says, he says here that th- those photos taped to the dashboard are inspired by actual family photos. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. There's such a beautiful story behind this. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I, I have to, to play this game or track down this game just for this fact alone? I picked this one up at
0: Amazing Stories. Um, I think there's copies left. Yeah, and this plays one to four players and it says 60 to 90 minutes. So for me, a solo, I've gotten this thing down to probably half an hour. Yeah. And whole, Ryan, the AP involved in, <laughs> because every time, every time you deliver a common cube to a common color, you get to upgrade your engine. And you just sit there and go, well, what do I do? Oh, I want to do this. No, but if I did this, I could do this. Or, oh no. But if I, uh, and you just get in this loop of what, which way do I want to go?
2: Yeah. Like being part of the advanced placement class. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was Yukon Airways. Uh, I, That's
0: a yeah.
1: deep cut Norm. That's a, That's deep, a deep
0: one. I, and I am glad, so glad Ryan, that you, you drew on that, that wonderful backstory to it. Cause I didn't want to go down there cuz it was a lot of
2: a lot of good place. No, no that's really that's really cool. That's really cool. Yay. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly
0: sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis Eighth Mall on 8th Street, in Saskatoon. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We are going into the Mechanism Series. The Mechanics, mechanics series. series. I got this all backward. I don't know who I'm upsetting it, it, the most.
2: is it Potato, Potato at Potato, yeah. So the
0: Mechanics Series, uh, it's my turn, and we're going to do Area Control Mechanisms. And, or
2: influence.
0: Or influence. See, like and right there. majority. Yeah. Right there. Uh, That was the, I think, as as the, the show ideas were building in my head right away, I thought, well, you're going to get into that conversation of, is it this or is it that? So I just included both of them. So in area control mechanisms, uh, I've put that there's area influence and area majority. So for the first perspective, multiple players may occupy space and gain benefits based on their a proportional presence in the space. Now, area majority, that perspective, outright ownership of any one area. Um, it, it must be the only one player that is represented represented in that area. And I mean, the classic example is risk or diplomacy, right? Um, uh, so how does this idea or this mechanism work? Well, it revolves around, typically it re- re- revolves around a, a map, or a set of locations or as we get in deeper the creation of this map and of these of this environment develops uh the goal uh, in of course in area control the goal is to have majority presence in a particular location to gain points and or rewards at the end of the game um ultimately that's you know the 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 goal is king of the hill kind of thing so Let's, uh, let's take a step backwards before we take a few steps forward. So uh, I quickly ran down some, you know, a, like a growth chart. So uh, in 1959, the release of risk popularized this idea of area um, control mechanism where uh, you have the idea. Everybody calls it dudes on a map. You have people on the map. You roll dice to attack people, you evaluate the results, and you either you gain territory or you lose territory. Um, The goal, yeah, as I said, that's the goal, is to have presence. Um, Now, to to, to some typical game genres that use this mechanism, you'll see a lot of 4X games, which is the exploration, um, uh, expansion, uh extermination and exploitation exploitation yes uh the conquest type of games those typically have that this this mechanism influencing uh another one is the like i said the dudes on a map uh diplomacy uh, small world uh, uh um axis and allies risk um and then of course the access on risk. we can get into the military games and you can even you know the uh, what do they call them the tweezer military games where you have chits down as you're advancing fronts and you're taking territory and you're and you're and you're uh, relinquishing territory uh so this mechanism is often blended with others to enhance the player interaction and conflict in a game you will see as we get on this and we talk about examples and we just start you know Talking about our favorite versions of this game and how they use it, great and and, and blended. You're going to see, as in uh, Ian and Ryan had mentioned it previously, there's a lot of hybridizations. There's a lot of different mechanisms helping out each other, each other mechanism. And uh, so what we'll what we'll move on to is um, talking about that idea of the the maturity of this mechanism. So. Let's start off with uh, the modern Euro discussion of area control games starts with 1995 release of El Grande. I love El Grande. Now, El Grande is a map of Spain with all the different regions and provinces. Uh, Without getting too deep into it, there's a whole lot of really cool things going on. But this hybridization of the card draft... And, and the initiative order, and that deciding how you implement and how you take advantage or, or not necessarily disadvantage, but um, alter your choices on, do I want a power or do I want to populate the map? Um, I think El Grande to me is uh, when it came out, was, was that, that marker for modern Euro games. Because I always, when, it, when we start to review games, I will, and it has any kind of major mechanism of area control, area influence. I'll always compare it to El Grande because it's to me that's that granddaddy,
2: right? Yeah. And this is the one like in El Grande, it is not a winner take all in an area. This is, um, uh, yeah. Most people, a lot of people can have their stake. In, in, in claiming yeah. a, a territory and then this one is awarding points for most second most yeah. third most so this
0: is that influence game. yeah yeah who's got the most right because they're not going to say all right
2: second place you get nothing because there's always yeah. that yeah yeah this is this is not like a, a risk type of area control game where there can only be one person in a <laughs> i've got there, highlander in the head now in, there can only be one there can be only one <laughs> but yeah so this is what yeah we're definitely thinking about more of the um the majority aspect with yeah. with an El Grande cool what I think it's
1: fascinating with El Grande is that it's still considered the pinnacle of this type of game like it even though it was it was really the first one and it came out 25 years ago it has yet to be surpassed yeah in And I'm not just saying that from my personal opinion. I would say that that is the common conception across the board gaming hobby is that El Grande is still the top. Yeah,
0: it's just not respected because it was the first of its kind. It's continually respected because it's still the best of its kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Of course, there's going to be more development, more transformation, more manipulation of this and blending. Uh, So let's move on to the more modern high impact area control of the hobby is Days of Wonders publication of Small World. Uh, And I I think I knew this, but I was reminded uh, of this. Um, Originally Vinci in 1999. Um, So Vinci, I've never played before. Um, but I remember uh, listening to an episode, I think it was uh, Blue Peg, Pink Peg, that we're talking about uh, um, this particular connection of these two games. But I'm going to pass the idea of Small World off to Ryan, because you have way more experience with uh, how Small World implements. And I think they do a masterful job at uh, at that that two-tile combination.
2: Yeah, so... so- but we're so we're focusing more on the area control area majority this one Mm -hmm. is much more of an area control because we're going to go back to highlander there can only be one in a region and you're eventually just going to take your race and try to oust if you're going to expand into other territories and there's somebody else already in there you're going to try to oust them by using your player power or just using the fewer the the pure brute strength yeah of the number of tiles you have like there's there's gonna be really no opposition to you in this game if i have um three of my type of tiles i can take over your tile or if i have two of mine if i can outnumber you yeah i can take you out and i just essentially just bump you out of your spot there's really no that there's no opportunity for the opposing race to try to defend themselves against that. I think what this
0: game cleverly does though, is, it, is it's the first of its kind to take your your player force and that idea of put them in decline and to get a new one out there. So yeah, to quickly, at, yeah, at, quickly at talk some, about that.
2: At some point in time, you're going to realize that this race is no longer really going to be viable in gaining you points because at the end of every round, you score a gold for every territory you control. And then plus maybe if you have some bonuses at some point in time, you're going to have so few forces left on the board, or you're going to be spread too thin. Completed, Yeah. That you're not going to be able to. So what you can do is you can decline and go into decline, which means you flip all your tiles over. And then at the beginning of your next round, you're going to get to become a new race on the board and start over from scratch. With new again. powers and new. But, yeah.
1: yeah. But your in decline power is still there, so you actually even you still have control yes. of all the territories you took. It's just that yeah. you can't really defend yourself, yeah, right, or spread. But as long as nobody goes for you, you're still earning points from those. Yeah, right. right. So
0: that's so that takes that El Grande idea of control, and
2: I think pushes it to that next level of adding a twist to it. I know. I always kind of described um, small world. Um, especially early on in my board gaming career, I described small world as risk, but fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, there, there could be some scripting and risk. Yeah.
0: Whoever holds Australia owns the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So the gameplay hybridization, I think I'm going to mash that word for here. Uh, So the idea where, As I said before, you don't necessarily need to have a map to start off with. You can create the map. So this idea of an empty grid where players introduce tiles of uh, identification markers in order to create uh, a changing and transformative game map or terrain. And uh, I started off by indicating in 1997, Reiner Knizia created Tigris and Euphrates. And then in 2000 came Carcassonne. Uh, And those two games... Uh, um i can talk i can talk a lot about carcassonne um where it is area control area majority in regards to your castles in regards to the fields in regards to who controls the roads um and and these these can i mean <laughs> the the one i hate the most about uh, in castles of burgundy with the area control uh or sorry influence um in the in the uh, uh, castles is when you're building one and all of a sudden somebody puts a castle piece just on the side where he wants to kind of get in on your action. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, "No, know, I put the work in, get away, get away from no, don't start vulturing my stuff. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's there's that fun edge too with uh, with I mean, area control, area influence. There is no hiding from the fact that you're going to get into other people's business.
2: <laughs> and that's we'll talk true. about that a little bit later um yeah. so Carca- i love it in carcassonne the classic the classic thing that you're really vying for is that those end of game in the fields mm. that's where a real big of this um uh trying trying to out joust trying to become the majority in in those fields because and how to cleverly place your tiles so yeah. if you get yeah. another one then you get in on someone's field and get
0: take majority of you. oh yeah yeah Tigris yeah, and euphrates pretty- though
1: yeah, Tigris and Euphrates. Because you, when you're building civilizations with, with the tiles, right? You're building clumps of tiles, which are your civilizations, and you can put your leaders there. You can have only one leader type, right? So, like, only one king or only one lead merchant. And so, if somebody else joins your two civilizations and they also have a king, well, your two kings can't exist coexist together. There can together, be only right? one. Yeah it's Highlander all over again. And so you got to duel it out and figure out who's staying and who's getting kicked off.
0: Now, what do you guys think about the, this version of map creation when it comes to area control?
2: It, it's one that you don't see very often um, where, where you build, because the, the most popular forms of these types of games is that there is already a predetermined yeah. map that you're battling over. There aren't, I, when actually you you list these ones off, and I'm just trying to look through our other lists of other games. There's no other games where you build, where you the develop map it, yeah, where you, where you develop it at, at the at the same at the same time. So that's yeah, not that I weird. can think of. Cool. Uh, so moving on.
0: Uh, so there's more hybrid area control games being developed with uh, adding worker placement elements, like uh, uh, 2011. Jay Cormier and Senfun Lim created Belfort. Uh, where they're using meeples uh, as worker placement to claim areas for majority scoring. And 2011, again, Lancaster by Queen Games, where you place knights, which is like a worker placement. Uh, uh, and when opposing, and this is the cool part, and when opposing knights occupy an area, well, what do opposing knights do? They fight because there can be only one. Uh, so the area majority by the biggest army. Uh, in those two cases, with worker placement as as a as a catalyst mechanism to uh, area control. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I own Belfort, but I have not played it. Well, we'll um, have to fix just, that. Just because it just came in, and plus I've heard that it doesn't work very well at two-player, like the two-player version, like most area control majority yeah. type of games, <laughs> I would say probably don't really work as a dual or as a two-player example, and I have not... Played Lancaster,
1: so yeah, I have no comment. With
2: these guys at all. I haven't played
0: either. Lancaster, I've researched and it's on my on my radar for games for that specific reason of uh, of of bringing these these. I mean, the thematic connection kind of drew me into because I'm a social studies history teacher. So yeah, that intrigued me, and I think I just included it for the fact that that a lot of a lot of the intriguing stuff comes by a blending like we had mentioned lost runes of arnak blends worker placement and deck building so i think there's a there's interesting more interesting things to explore uh with this mechanism
2: this episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at breakout escape and board game loan right here in saskatoon using industry-leading technology Breakout Escapes, Escape Rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at Breakoutsask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Let's kind
0: of... Step down into uh, before we get into pick a game and talk about it, kind of thing. Um, let's talk about. I did two areas. Uh, so what's appealing to you guys about area control? And I hit some notes, and you guys can pick off any of those notes if you want. But I'll start us off by saying that it's an easy concept to explain to new players king of the hill, right? Uh, I have more than you, then I own it, that kind of idea. Um, anybody who's had, who's had a large family definitely knows the idea of area control, right? Hmm. Um, get off the couch, my couch, right? There's no room for everybody. No. Right. Um, or am I just going through some old childhood trauma right now? Just, just, just <laughs> let it out. Just let it I'm out right now. Out, man. My brothers, they just picked on me as the youngest of the family. Um, but yeah. So what do you guys think is, is appealing when it comes to this game? Cause we both said we all i mean we all said we love el grande
1: well, well the I, one I, thing I, I one thing yeah. i th- really think about when i think of games like this is that the state of the board is just constantly shifting right so it's a very dynamic game it's a very um mot- what's the word i'm looking for it's a it's very mobile game, game right it's yeah. it's always it's always moving yeah
2: yeah yeah and there's 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 lots of uh, there's there's usually lots of interaction um, be, between the between the players and there's like like you like Norm said there's always something to fight over. There is sometimes that negotiation thing that's going on in the background. But maybe not necessarily. <laughs> we always talk about the meta game, um, area control, area majority games. Always kind of have that meta game about it where there's always uh, somebody who has to add his two cents in saying. Um, well, if you pay attention to the left side of the map, Norm's kind of running away with things, um, everything. We got to kind of stop. We got to kind of stop that. So there's always well, kind of like...
0: Some campaigning. Oh, yeah, there's total <laughs> table campaigning for sure. Yeah. So that's,
2: so that's why we always met. That's why I just mentioned, too, that these types of games don't usually work well at two-player. Um, yeah. <laughs> because there's one person just doing... No, that's just no a single... That's, that's a slap correct. fight. Each person... Yeah, back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just gonna, you're just gonna what, trade the resources back and forth between one another. <laughs> so,
0: so um, yeah, so yeah, cool. What else? What else do you guys think? Well, Kate, here's it, and it's all about perspective. If you're the type of player that likes player interaction and something to fight over, then then this is up your alley. I mean, because there's straight out aggressive type of area control, and then there's the passive aggressive area control. Where where you might just you know be a worker placement dude and just get to the spot first and go sorry. So sorry.
2: Oh, sorry. And, and and there and some of these types of games too um are designed in a manner where you don't have to be aggressive, and not being aggressive is a viable strategy mm-hmm. in, in the game. Like you don't like if you don't like fighting in the games and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, there might be a strategy. They're already built in saying, oh, I can still score points and I don't have to hurt everybody's feelings. And I'm still friends with everybody at the end of the day. I've seen so many people
0: win El Grande just by taking second place, be consistently taking second place. Right. Um, So, yeah, there's you you don't have to be, uh, you know, in people's faces if you want to.
1: There's also a really good opportunity in these games to be sneaky, to to try to figure out ways that you can sneak the win.
2: That's why I wear my sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and
0: see, with a lot of these games too, I think initiative order um, has, has some interesting ramifications because if you go first, great. If you go last, then you're looking at cleanup, right?
2: So ah, oh, there's just so many angles that you can approach depending on oh, the. Oh yeah. Because if you're, if, even if you're last, you're just like, Oh, I've got, I've got my choosings yeah. of what I can do with my power you yeah, know, and everything like that. I can go, I can go through this opponent over, or that yeah. person's now left themselves vulnerable or those people made that person vulnerable. So now yeah. I can go and do the cleanup work. And well, back to what Ian said too, is the changing state of the board by the time it gets to your turn uh-huh.
0: Your neighbor might be decimated, or your neighbor might be stockpiling and and predicting what they're doing the next round, and you just kind of have to panic and react. So, which, lead,
2: which leads into probably your next point of there's probably people that don't like that. Well, yeah, yeah. What, the the bullying. Yeah, what's the <laughs> what are the drawbacks
0: or the downsides of area control and? Yeah, getting, getting dog piled on in these games is not fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at Norm over there it was like, would you stop that? I was being quiet and sneaky.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, we, get, we, get, we get what I like to refer to as the munchkin effect where everybody just dog piles on the leader. No, oh, yeah. and then it creates an opportunity for another person to become the leader, and then everybody dog piles on them until no one, everybody's depleted of resources, and one person comes out the victor.
0: Yeah, whoever's Achilles <laughs> tendons have been slashed the least is the one that. Yeah. So, Ian, what if? I mean, I know you you have a you have a a tendency to like these games, but if you were to pick something that would be down.
1: So well, with or, these kind of games, the state of the board is constantly changing and it's a very dynamic game which can like I said it's great but it can also stress people out <laughs> because you can't you can't just settle into the game, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cuz you always have to be worried about what's going to change, what's going to change, what's going to change and there's no just it's all about tactics, thinking into the, sinking into your game. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, it's not it's not a take it easy type game for sure.
0: The best kind of plan in this is the one that you change one second into your turn. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, for me, I would say this last one is the inability to evaluate or value the cost and benefit of gaining control or holding on to an area. That's a to, very good point. To mm-hmm. me, there's so many games where I'm like, I should have let that go. I why did I? It, might, it, You know, it was pride or it was just ego. It's like, no, I should have, you know, not I went too much. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. the cost benefit. The, the, yeah. The,
2: the, this is this is the auction mechanism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It all over again, where we we have this inability to evaluate the like you just said, the inability to evaluate something appropriately—it just seems this keeps come back to haunt us over and I, over again. I just cut and paste this <laughs> note from my
0: auction speech, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, but you know what, though, I think that is is alleviated my, the more you yeah, play.
2: Yeah, that's my downfall in small world is i have no idea when i need to go into decline when's the most beneficial opportunity yeah do i try to squeeze out an extra couple points now and go and expand a little bit more and leave myself too thin or do i just go into decline right now also leaving myself exposed and I, it it happens to me in small world all the time i never know <laughs> well there's well, also,
1: also the idea with uh with something like el grande Like you want the majority, but you also don't want to waste your people. And so if you have a majority of like five more than the next person, well, you've actually, wasting resources. But then if you don't do that, then you're always worried that, Oh, now they're going to have just enough to get past you. Then you're
0: ripe for the picking. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's a perfect transition into this last part, which is let's just pick a, you know, grab a game and start talking about it and why you like it. So Brian,
1: yeah, you hit small world. And so Ian, yeah. Okay. So I think that we have to address the fact that I really think that there's two main categories here, right? And we've already talked yeah. about it and this I've been thinking about this as we've been talking about this. And, but I think they're, they're, we really have to think of them as two different things. So there's the idea that they're in the same you share, domain, you share spaces or yeah. you don't Right? Yeah. You share or you don't. And El Grande is the one where you share and where you don't, I guess you've got, you've got risk, right? And so those are the two. Diplomacy,
0: Axis about. and Allies. I think the military ones mm. are more
1: leaning into that. Yeah. Because if, once you open up the the military type games, I mean, that's a wide swath Ooh, of, yeah. that's a huge percentage of the board, of board games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so what I was thinking is, I wanted to look at ones that were more on the El Grande side, the, share a space site and i know that there's different terms because ryan keeps bringing up area influence and and i don't know what they are and i honestly don't i don't know no i I don't care no no no, they're literally they're literally
2: potato potatoes yeah
1: yeah like i but you
2: saying shared control i don't want to
1: argue semantics but when we're talking about the shared control ones similar to el grande the next one that comes to mind for me is antarctica yeah i want to hear you talk about this one so i've talked about this before as uh as uh lesser known game that not a lot of people know about. In Antarctica, there's different sections of Antarctica, and you're sending scientists out there and you're building buildings on there. You score points based on if you control that area, if you have the most things, whether that's ships or scientists, if you have the most things there, you score points. The interesting thing with Antarctica is how many points you score depends on who the next, the second most how many things there are in there and who's second most in that area. So for
0: presence, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, and so the more challenged you are in a spot, the more it's actually going to benefit you. So it's a a really neat idea there. Cool, cool. So Antarctica, I think, is a really good stepping stone from El Grande. It does things a little bit differently because it also adds the buildings that are neutral buildings, but they also count towards the the count, the point count, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, yeah, so I think Antarctica is a really, a really neat idea, but still very much in El Grande's wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ryan, what yeah. do you want to pick up?
1: Uh, and, uh, well, I'm
2: gonna go. I'm gonna jump in the same boat as Ian, but the El Grande, the, the shared influence of an area, um, a game that you know it got talked about, got talked about a lot when it first came out. You don't hear about people talking about it right now, but I still really enjoyed it. Ethnos. Yeah, And what Ethnos is, yeah. is essentially it is an area majority type of game where um, if I have more discs in an area than you, I am going to score the first place points and then second place is going to get the second place yeah. points type thing down. Now, how you gain influence in those areas is really quite neat as it ends up being a set collecting game where you're trying to collect these um, various um, fantasy races like giants or skeletons or mermaids or something like that. And how you manage to get some if I already have, let's say if I already have um, three influence in an area, well now if I wanna add on a fourth thing into that area, I not only need to have the color of the area in my hand, but I also need to have four of them since Mm -hmm. I have to always beat my previous total in order to add keep adding into that area. So okay. there's a lot of play with the set collecting. There's a little bit of manipulation of the market. It's kind of an interesting. And there's the I... special bonuses from the from the races yeah, and, too. And every races has a bonus when you play yeah. when you play them. And um, interesting is when I do play down a set, whatever else was in my hand now goes into the market for people to claim. Yes, yes, that's well. right. So it's it's kind of an interesting one where it blends set collecting as the way that you actually gain your influence into territories. Cool. It's, 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 really, it's a really neat game. Ethnos. It was produced by Simon. Uh, yeah. Um, um, games as part of their Euro line, and I think I'm gonna just go
0: out and conjecture Paulo Mori. I
2: think that's Paulo
0: Mori designed that one as well. There you go. Cool. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to present a game that that to me takes the mechanism and the theme and brilliantly collides them together. And it's right even in the title, Dominant Species. Yeah. You dominate an area because of whatever species you pick. Now, again, this to me is that blending of worker placement and area control or area dominance in this case. Um, And you can be uh, sneaky. And you can be (laughs) sneaky. and, And use your your species ability to its, to its potential. And uh, yeah, I think this one I'm, without getting really deep into it, because this is a pretty deep game. This is, I mean, is this, this is one of those, you know, four hour type of games. Um, but I think it does a great job at bringing in the, the, the concepts of, of, of the, I mean, the species uh, competition in during the ice age in regards to uh, food, available food, available territories of uh, growth, uh, speciation. I mean, uh, the 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 science components uh, and validity uh, on the on the on the game thematic side works so well into the mechanism, and man if this is not the most brutal because of the, because of those dominance cards at the end where you can just i mean the volcano card all right i'm going to pick that spot and erupt and everything dies right so the there's t- the 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 chaos that happens with this game i think is brilliant because of the thematic connection so
1: and with the area control there's also disproportionate Point scoring, right? Depending on the type of tile, and so the types of tiles aren't necessarily as good as each other. The oceans are great. If yeah. you can dominate the oceans, you're great. If you dominate the tundra, yeah, yeah, you don't get that many points for it.
0: And then the the uh, the the glacier, like the the ice, like yeah, there's there's even that aspect of, for sure. During the whole game, you're you're pushing this glaciation uh, and occupying and And taking over tiles and turning them, turning them into ice cubes, but even that territory has a a, a dominance benefit. So, yeah, yeah, I love
2: that game so much. Cool. All right, who wants to take another crack at the list? I'm going to go because I'm going to go the opposite route now, where we're not looking at um, being having shared control. But this one has a; these two games have a unique twist on this. Um, I'm going to talk about one of my. Couple of games that got me into the hobby, which are Blood Rage <laughs> and Rising Sun. And for for these two games, um, throughout the course of play, multiple players can share a region. So, like in Blood Rage, I can deploy troops and monsters and everything into a region, but Ian can come along and also deploy troops in there. Nothing actually happens. No battling actually happens until somebody triggers a battle which they, in Blood Rage, they call it pillaging. So like I said, I can, I'm going to try to claim the bonus of this region. Who wants to fight me for it? <laughs> and then, then that's when the battle happens and then people get removed off the board and whoever is the remainder now gets to um, claim claim the bonus. Blood Rage also inclu- incorporates um, the card drafting because there are strategies yeah. where our, Um, It's Viking battles, and it's glorious to die in battle. So there is opportunities to score points for actually losing battles in Blood Rage. You don't get the bonuses of keeping the region, but I'm probably sacrificing that just in order to score some points at the end of the game. And for strategy future on, right? Yeah, and Rising Sun does a similar thing where you're going to play over a set number of rounds, positioning troops all over the board, and then it's at the end of a round... If more than one person occupy a region, then a battle is going to is going to occur and you are going to just compare combat strength of units and there is a very unique auctioning of what type of actions you're going to take in the battle. Are you just going to um, take the take the honorable way not not take the honorable way out, but you can like. (laughs) I call it committing suicide before (laughs) the battle actually happens. I can actually kill myself off so that you don't get any rewards. I'm thinking python
0: right here all the time. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. What do they refer to it in in Japan? They refer to it as the seppuku. Yeah, and everything like that. So um, they kind of do that area majority battling kind of interestingly. uh, That that it doesn't get evaluated right away, but somebody either has to trade, like in Blood Rage, has to trigger it. Yeah order to happen or in rising sun is a set number of rounds and then a battle is going to happen they're they're really quite neat in what they what they do for their um and then rising sun also has the uh, that eric lang claims that diplomacy was one of the influencing factors because yeah. it's all about the negotiation and all about the alliance making in in, in rising sun because if i'm aligned with somebody. They can't actually fight me unless if they break the alliance. Um, uh, Who wants to talk? You mentioned diplomacy,
0: and I mean, we got to give some props to diplomacy. Ian, I know you think that's one of the classics.
1: Yeah, I like diplomacy quite a bit. The interesting thing with diplomacy is you can't have more than one army on a space. Yeah. Period. Like, yeah. Whether yours or not. Yeah. And so if you want a space you have to actually force the other person out. The ne- and the negotiating. And that's why you need negotiating because it's oh. not cuz you you have to have more <laughs> troops than than the one there, yeah. right? And or whatever has been supporting it. And so you need to have support in order to do that.
0: And for the people who don't know um diplomacy is a friendship uh, wrecker, so, you know. <laughs> um let's see. Uh I ian take a crack
1: at the list sure i want to talk about one that might be a deep cut and might not be what you're looking for norm so i'm going to explain it and see what you think so it's a game called kahuna which is a two-player game that came out in 1998 okay and it's you're basically battling for control of islands hawaiian islands i think yeah but you get To control of the islands by having the most bridges and so you're playing cards that let you put bridges between different islands and if you have more bridges on going from an island than the other person then that's your island and you get to claim that island but the moment that they get more bridges than you so they can kick your bridge off and take that spot then they gain control cool and so it's this constant and there's there's like a dozen more than a dozen islands on here. So there's a whole bunch of different areas where this is happening and there's all this back and forth between just trying to figure out where to put your bridges so that you are in the best spot, right? Where you have, and it's actually not, not easy to do. You'll find that you end up tying for spots more often than not. And it's hard to actually get above that, breaking that tie. Cool. I think it fits yeah, I would say so. I, I think if it it's there's no yeah. troops or anything, it's all just bridges. <laughs> but, but it's but that's but it's a way, but it's a way that you're marking
2: that yeah. like you control. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I would say that's that's absolutely relevant.
0: Um I want to quickly throw uh throw in a couple ideas
1: here. Um and, sorry, I just want to mention oh, yeah, yeah. that's a rare case where you can do two players. Right. Because we talked yeah. about how oh, it's yeah. really hard yeah. to do it's really hard to do two players with this, and this is a case where you can. So yeah. it's well, neat in that regard.
0: To back up a little bit, Ryan and I played Ethnos two
2: player, and I think I think it did a half decent job. Yeah, because there was always just but they just they just scaled it down. There's yeah. not as many cards in the deck. There is um not as many scoring tiles that are out there.
0: But we have played point. it at a higher count, and
2: it does oh it, it does. Changes completely. Yeah. I've played it, I've played it from two player and I've played it all the way up to six player, and it it is drastically different at every player count.
0: Uh, I want to quickly mention Blue Lagoon, a Reiner Knizia game, and I think that one was roughly based off of Through the Desert. And this one oh, is is a bunch of islands, and it's again, it's that hybrid mashing where you're you're doing a networking kind of um, uh, yeah, it's it's chaining uh, influence, and you're basically. Uh, Occupying everybody has adds a tile as they're going on, and you start off at a certain point, and you keep exploring these tiles, and you can only add a tile that's adjacent to another previous tile, like that snake, right? And as these cross water, you know, bodies or little rivers, and go into other territories, you keep looking for resources, and you keep trying to uh, um, connect. Uh, um, link as many of these islands because uh, in two phases of the game, when you score, it comes down to this area uh, uh, influence. Where let's look at this island: who has the mo- who was able to network and and grow um, their their I, I guess um, community uh, through all these islands, the most representation on all these islands, and you score it that way first, second, third. And I think it's such a I think it's it's blue-orange game, and it's designed for a family, and it does a fantastic job. I played this with my wife and my daughter, and uh, it, the rule set's straightforward. It's pretty simple. Um, it's It's a scoring pad scoring system because you're going through all these islands and all the resources and sets of resources. I think it does a great job of streamlining that idea down to you know, like how Patchwork streamlines the polyomino idea. I think Blue Lagoon does a great job on streamlining how this area control, area influence works in in that kind of mechanism. Now,
2: I have never played Through the Desert, so I, I don't yeah, know. So through, through the Desert is definitely not an area majority, area control game at all. Okay. No, so, it's, it, 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 it's all about just making a network and trying to enclose an area I and mean, then okay. I mean, you get the score points based on how large that area was enclosed.
0: So I guess, I guess the connection was this idea of, of connecting things and blocking things off because yeah. that's kind of what happens too is, is if I want to get out to another Island and all of a sudden someone cuts me off, I'm trapped. I can't, I can't get out there. So you've effectively like go, you've effectively eliminated me from part of the board. So mm-hmm. yeah, cool. All
1: right.
0: Um, any last, uh, any last minute, uh, throwouts there?
2: I think I'm uh, good. Uh, um, one that I did a review on not too long ago, uh, is a very sneaky area. Majority type of game was Rococo ah. where you're try, where you're trying to you're, you're making the dresses for the King and you're, um, attending a ball. Uh, and what you're trying to really do is you're trying to have your dresses, um, and, and garments, um, be the most vibrant and to be the most appealing in certain ballrooms. And so, if you have more dresses and stuff like that and garments inserted ballrooms, you'll score the more. It's got that scaled scoring where it's like, hey, this room is worth five points, but the smaller room is only worth three points if ah, I have a majority okay. in it. Cool. Type of thing. So, it's, it's kind of like a sneaky um, area majority type of game. Another game that kind of does this very similar thing um, no dudes on the map at all it's actually everything is based off of cards and it's called smash up and smash up is an area oh, control game right. because you know, the areas are these location cards, the battle areas. Yeah. And what you're doing you're, you're, just playing cards down. They have power levels and as soon as a power level exceeds a certain number on the location card, then you evaluate, Hey, first, second, third place on that's this right. location on this location card. Um, based on the power levels and whoever, and then every, all the factions do different things. Like if I play this card, it allows me to move cards from location to location or something. And the like factions that.
0: are so thematically connected. Like I remember,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Smash. So Smash Up is, a, is another one that people don't ever really in, bring it up in the conversation of area control or area majority. Because it's a card driven mechanism. Because it's a card driven game instead of a board and minis and yeah. everything like that uh, part, part of it. Cool. So, all
0: right. Well, that being said, we're getting we're definitely getting to that time where we say thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk about board games. So mm-hmm. yay! So um, uh, yeah. So thanks. I'm your host Norm. There can only
1: be one.
0: <laughs> I'm Ryan. And I am. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039. (laughs)